Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Candy Lesher to talk about her experience with transforming her swimming pool into a garden. Candy is a self-taught chef, instructor, writer, and speaker who has been inducted recently into the Arizona's Culinary Hall of Fame and hosted and produced food and life television for three years. She is now shifting her direction to helping others as a culinary wellness coach, assisting those who have been diagnosed with health issues to transform into a healthier culinary lifestyle and make those changes both enjoyable and sustainable. She believes that growing and cooking your own food can be a big part of every healthy lifestyle success. Welcome to the show today, Candy. Well, thank you, Greg. I'm just tickled to death to be here. Oh my gosh. Love having you. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Well, obviously been involved in food as a chef and instructor and everything for so many years and had a restaurant, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, and had a scone and and truffle business and all these wonderful things. Love, love, love all types of food. Uh And then I got stage three cancer. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, if you get the wake-up call and you don't pay attention to it, shame on you. And Mm -hmm. I paid attention to it and really shifted and changed how I do my life. And in that process, I'm one of those, I I just, I want to know the answers. Mm -hmm. So the more research I did, the more I realized that so much of of the important part of life is not just cooking at home, which is what I was already doing, Mm -hmm. but it's really focusing on cooking the right things. And then the more I started researching the produce and the fruit and everything, the more I realized all I was doing was adding more toxins in because of pesticides. And I really, really began to understand the importance of reducing and eliminating as much of that as possible. And the best way to do it is to grow it at home. Grow your own. There you go. Wow. So you got cancer. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about that, because that's a pretty that's a pretty big wake up call at that point. It 
is. It is. And and anybody who knew me from the past knew that I I loved food. Um, I was about a hundred pounds heavier than I am now, mm. and um, it was estrogen induced uterine cancer. And of course, fat holds estrogen, so that pretty oh, much yes. explains why I got it. And so I I you know take responsibility, self induced, but I also realized that I needed a little bit of help and had uh, gotten a lap band. Dr. Simpson, wait, his his weight loss program is amazing, uh-huh. and he focuses on cook at home, cook vegetables, uh, do yeah. all these things. So I really felt in line with what he was doing, and uh, that was the tool that helped. But it's just a tool, you know, Greg? Right. Um, the average person can tell you 20 ways to eat around a, a lap band, and a chef can tell you 100 ways to eat around it. So if you don't pay attention and do what you need to do and do what's right, it's not going to help you at all. Yeah. So, but I've been about 100 pounds down for eight years now. Oh, wow. Congratulations. So, yeah, yeah. But, but again, it's, it's really about those nutritional choices. Yeah, exactly. So you grow your own food, and recently you contacted me with some photographs of a swimming pool in your backyard. That is correct. We, and, um, and you asked me for some, uh, some, some, my thoughts on converting that into a garden space. Can you tell us about that? Well, we were kind of researching it and thinking down the road, this is where we were going to go. Mm-hmm. And then we had... Uh, yet another of those little life-altering uh, situations. Uh-huh. Our, our one of our, our we call them our fur babies that mm. we had rescued. He, in nine years, he'd never fallen in the pool, and he could swim the pool oh, when we gosh. would go in. You know, nine nine lengths of the pool, and yep. somehow he fell in and drowned. Mm. And that was I'm it. So sorry. It was like okay, with within a couple of weeks, we said that's it. We're we're taking it out because yeah. I can't can't take a chance on that happening again yeah. so it was it was one of those time to do it moments yeah cool so you converted it into a garden space we talk, did talk to me about that we did well we decided that we've we've always done container gardening uh-huh. and we've got a ton of fruit trees most of them bought from urban farm of course well thank you um but we just we decided that we were going to take that plunge. Uh-huh. I had never gardened in ground. Everything I'd ever done was container gardening. Mm-hmm. But I kept thinking, okay, if so many people can do it, certainly I can at least try it. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, come up with something else. But I'm loving it. Cool. So the process of getting that done. Because um, ah, I, I know yeah. that there's a guy out in Mesa here in the Phoenix metropolitan area that turned his into a, what he calls a garden pool. You didn't go that route. You actually disassembled pieces of it and turned that space into a garden. Tell us about that. Well, we had looked at, at doing the, the fish farming, like, like um, some of the articles and things you've had. And mm-hmm. I know you've had them on your podcast, and we researched it. But we also like to occasionally travel for a couple of weeks at a time, and yeah. we just felt that wasn't going to work for us. So we decided the garden was the way to go. And also because our yard isn't really huge, mm-hmm. and the 
number one 100 percent perfect spot for garden was taken <laughs> by pool one of the pools so that. you know when when we hit that we're doing this we're doing it right now moment i went down to the city and i got to tell you the city of tempe employees were really awesome nice. um, walked me through walked me through getting the permit and just explained everything all my questions and we drained the pool and the company that we had contracted with to to uh, do it came out the next day and they cut great big channels in the bottom and they took all that concrete oh, out uh-huh. and they they piled it alongside the channels and then from there the inspector came out the next day so mm-hmm. that's day three and he said yep nope that's more than enough drainage okay so day four they came back out and then they they brought in tons of extra large chunks of concrete oh wow and they filled more mm-hmm. and then that afternoon they brought in the ab concrete which is the crushed concrete and oh, it yeah. drains really well So they filled it up within 18 to 20 inches from the top of the pool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next day, we had our 34 yards of organic potting soil delivered. And they spread it on the top. And literally, in five days, I had this huge, beautiful working space. Wow. That was it. Wow. So you're, you're our featured farmer this month. And so there's a full article about this on our blog attached to this podcast. I just want to direct everybody there because you sent me pictures as you were doing it and it was like, wow, what a great thing. It was it was exciting, but I laugh because we I refer to us as inexact growers. Uh-huh. I'm not sure that I'm at a farmer point, but that said, I'm going out and collecting a great big basket every day of tomatoes, so I guess I do qualify now. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely. Here's what I tell people in my classes. In order to become an urban farmer, grow food and share it. Are you sharing it with anybody or are you eating it all yourself? Absolutely, of I course, am. Of course, of course. And all right, I'm going to take it one step further. Do you have a farm name yet? You know, we do. It's <gasps> Tell me. Zor- it's Zorro's Garden because our little boy that, uh, that drowned yeah. in the pool was Zorro. And we've dedicated the garden to him. And we have a little sign and little Sweet. paw print with his paw prints and everything. And it's it's Zorro's Garden. And he was a special needs dog. Uh-huh. So it's kind of neat because he, he took a lot of nurturing. It was uh-huh. a lot of work. But at the same time, the garden does too. So it's, yeah. it's I think, very apropos mm-hmm. that, that we nurture the garden now in his honor. Nice. So I dub you a urban farmer. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. So how has shifting from the pool to a garden changed your life and, and really your home? How has that changed? Well, the way my house is set up, I'm, I'm in the kitchen a lot, as mm-hmm. you know, any mm-hmm. chef would be. And I always looked out onto the pool, which was nice. But every time I looked at the pool, there was a part of me that saw the drain. I saw the drain of time that my husband had to spend on it, the drain of utilities, Mm -hmm. um, all the maintenance. You know, there was always something we needed, a new pump for the 
new pump or we right. needed a new sweep or we needed something, something more, another great big container of chlorine. And it always bothered me that I knew that the chlorine was going off into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now I look out there and it's a joy. I've got oh, corn that's nice. eye high. I can uh-huh. see the tomatoes going, ooh, I missed a tomato this morning. I see a big splotch of red. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, the cucumber's peeking out from underneath the leaves. Yeah. And and it's it's just this beautiful joy to look at it uh-huh. now. So it's 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 an amazing, thriving, living space. Yeah, and I can hear that and, in your voice and you're sharing it. It's like you're sparkling. I that's how I feel about it. It's just it's it's just been a joy. Uh-huh. Every bit as much a joy as you know taking care of our little guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So knowing what you know now, if you had to do it over again, is there anything you do differently in this process? Because you, you you know the process now and you could share it with people. What, were there any pitfalls? I'd have done it a lot earlier. <laughs> that's yeah, got that's your, got the your biggest good, key yep. is I'd have done it years earlier. Mm-hmm. So this is a lesson to everybody listening. Go start your garden now. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So why do you feel it's important to share this process with people? Well, of course, anyone who's got a child or a pet, Mm -hmm. they always worry about pool accidents. I mean, even with pool fences, you hear about it all the time. So this brings you a peace of mind. You wouldn't get any other way. But that said, there's so many people out there that fell in love with the concept of having a pool but the reality became anything but. It, it's not that idyllic, you know, piece that you need to have at your home. Mm-hmm. And unless you have a heater, there's nine months out of the year when the water's mm-hmm. too cold. Yeah, exactly. And of course, they're expensive, no matter whether you're using them or not. So it's far less rewarding than a lot of people imagine. And and let's face it, everybody says, "Oh, if you ever want to sell your home." Don't don't get rid of the pool. Well, yeah. I I disagree with that. If, mm. if it's your home, do what's right for you, not yeah. the potential buyer ten years down the road. If you decide to sell so, it, yeah, beautifully said. So we're really talking about a skill here called gardening, and yes. why is it important for us to get back there to the home garden? Well. Obviously, since I've had my experience, I'm really passionate about the fact that so many people have devastating health issues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the really sad part about it is so many of them can be avoided and even more can be turned around by shifting to a healthier plant-focused diet. And Uh and I'm not saying you're never going to have another steak the rest of your life, but, you know, we're all kids at heart, and it's been proven that when kids are engaged in growing their vegetables and their yeah. their fruit, they're so much more inclined to enjoy them, to eat them, mm-hmm. and to cook with them. Yeah. So I think that by getting people excited about growing food, about going out there and going, oh my gosh, look at that perfect tomato, oh my gosh, and and bringing it in the house and, and cutting some of their fresh basil and and just making a crazy salad right then and there from their garden. Yeah. 
it it brings the excitement into being healthy, and that's part of the problem. People are like, oh, it's too much work. I don't want to do it. I'm, they're kicking and screaming to, you know, looking at the nutrition side. But when you garden, it's a joy. Yeah. It really is. Oh, yeah. So you had a pool in your backyard. You have a garden in your backyard now. There had to be a cost involved. There was the city of Tempe got involved. You had to get a permit. What are we looking at cost-wise to make something like this happen? Well, the the permit, if I remember correctly, was about 125 somewhere in that range. And keep in mind, the, one of the things that I learned as I was researching this, that uh-huh. every pool will be different. Oh, yeah. It depends on its size, its depth, um, what you're replacing it with, oh, yeah. et cetera. And I have to tell you, I got a big range of prices. Mm. Um, I had companies that were like, oh, we're going to take down a part of your block fence. We're going to bring in all this big equipment. And wow. then when we're done, you're going to have to have your fence rebuilt. <laughs> I mean, they were they were asking a ridiculous amount of money. Uh-huh. But for us, we found Superior Pool, who also takes pools out, family-owned pool company over in Glendale. Nice. And it was Five thousand. Wow. So we're talking three thousand less than what some of these other companies mm-hmm. were asking for, and then it was another fourteen hundred dollars for the potting soil, and worth every penny, I might add. Yeah. Now I'm not including the cost of the extensive irrigation watering system <laughs> we put in. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> but, that's part. Of, that's part. Of, that's your garden cost, not your pool replacement cost. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and that's going to serve us for years and years down the road. Oh, but, time. but essentially, it was about sixty five hundred dollars, mm. and and worth every penny. Yeah, from what I've I've heard from the stories from the garden pool people. Uh, and if you haven't checked out Garden Pool, check out gardenpool.org. Man, what they're doing over there is magical. When he, the, the story I remember he told was that um, this was 10 years ago. Replacing the pool or fixing the pool that was there was going to cost him about $5,000. Uh, filling it in was going to cost him about $5,000. So this is right in line with that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. That, that is correct. Yeah. And so. And... For us, it was a 35-year-old pool, and mm-hmm. it, we were told it was going to be about 10 to oh, nice. renovate it. And I'm thinking, wow. yeah, no. I don't think so, yeah. So share with us, what are you currently growing in this space? You already mentioned tomatoes and corn. Yes, I've got 17 very happy heirloom tomato plants. Nice. I've got some chard that is getting a little stressed with the yep, heat uh, along with the rainbow radishes mm-hmm. but i've got mexican gray squash i've got persian cucumbers lemon cucumber sweet romano peppers marconi peppers jalapeno i've got potatoes i've got three rows of indian dent corn that is part of a three sisters garden oh, with nice. the rattlesnake beans and uh-huh. the sugar pumpkins so I'm going to stop you there. I want you to tell yes. everybody, for the for those listeners that don't know, what is a Three Sisters Garden and why? Ah, Three Sister Garden is a, basically it's a, a way of planting that the Native Americans mm-hmm. used. And they would plant their corn. And then when the corn gets about 12 inches high or so, they plant beans around the corn stalk, mm-hmm. and as the beans germinate and start to grow, they twine up the corn, so they use the corn as its trellis, Right. 
And then as soon as the beans come up, you plant your squash, which in this case we did the pumpkin. Nice. Um, a little bit away from it. And what the pumpkin does is it vines out and it shades the ground around the, nice. the corn and the mm-hmm. beans. And, of course, provides its own crop, too. Yeah. So it's the three sisters working together, the squash, the corn, and the beans. Nice. I love that. One of the things that happens in this is that corn is a user of nitrogen out Correct. of the soil. And the beans and the, do? They replace it. They replace it. Exactly. Isn't that cool? I, you know, I just love how nature works. Uh, and, and I think it's amazing because, you know, they didn't have any universities. They didn't have the urban right. farm to tell them. Exactly. And yet the Native Americans had figured, figured all out. this out ahead of time. Yeah. So why not use the plan that they had? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and by the way, I've got two years of corn growing over oh, there. Oh, so nice. <laughs> Love that. Love that. So in your bio, we talked about you being a uh, health coach. Uh-huh. Culinary wellness coach. Great. Tell us about that, would you? Well, I'm not a dietitian or nutritionist. I know a lot about it because I love to research because it involves food. Mm-hmm. But what I do is, let's say, Greg, you came to me and said, oh, my gosh, I just found out I had diabetes. Uh-huh. And the doctor and the nutritionist gave me this stack of paperwork and said, this is how you're going to live now. This is mm-hmm. how you're going to eat. And you're saying, how on earth do I transition what they just gave me into my life? So I sit down and I go over with you what they've given you, uh-huh. and then I go over with you what you currently eat and how are we going to come to kind of an agreement of styles. And right. I figure out, like, one of the first things I'll do is say, all right, what's the one food you absolutely refuse to give up? Oh, nice. And let's say you say, it's pizza. I refuse. I am not giving that <laughs> up. So because of my, my culinary background, I come up with a way for you to have pizza. I tell you, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to take sprouted corn tortillas oh. and we're going to rub both sides with oil and we're going to toast them in the oven until they're super crispy and crunchy. Oh my and gosh. then we're going to spread your tomato sauce on and we're going to put on some low-fat mozzarella cheese and we're going to put a little bit of, of chicken or turkey, Italian sausage on there that's cooked and we're going to put that back in the oven and you're going to have pizza, but it's going to be in a way that is in keeping with what... <laughs> you need to do now to become healthy so i help you whether it's creating recipes whether it's teaching you Uh how to cook in the kitchen the things that you need to be doing and helping you to create menu plans but i don't cook for you Mm -hmm. i'm not giving you the fish i'm teaching you to fish but i want to do it in a way that's sustainable for you to see from that day forward you can now sustain a healthy diet and not feel deprived. Yeah. I was going to say, we need That's to take a... That's key. Oh, got it. I was going to say, we need to take a break here because I need to go make a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was cool. That's, that's that's what I do. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. So can you talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it? Oh, my goodness. There are so many <laughs> failures. It's not even funny. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Well, probably one of the biggest failures that turned into a success was I opened my own bakery oh, uh-huh. and was loving it and was just just 
chicken tail. I started turning a profit within four months. Oh, my gosh. I was just thrilled. And being new to the the business side of the world, I hadn't done my due diligence on the lease. And Oops. The, uh, yeah, I know. They moved in 15,000 square feet of welfare offices right next door to me, and my business plummeted. And I don't resent that there was welfare offices there. Uh-huh. I'm glad that people were being helped, but I would not have put my my very expensive made-to-order bakery right there. Yeah. But out of that, because a woman had found my baked goods, she had me start teaching cooking classes in her kitchen shop, and that's when I found out oh, nice. how much I love teaching and coaching oh, people. Yeah. So everything that I've done since then was changed because of that one mistake I mm-hmm. made turned it's, into a positive. Yeah, it's amazing those pivotal points in our lives where something like that happens that changes yeah. our entire life. And in the moment, you think, oh, my gosh, end of world. Correct. Yeah. But I always feel God's got our back. There and if go. we are willing to make the changes we need mm-hmm. to just watch for what it is we need to do and if we're willing to do the work yeah we can turn it around perfect what do you consider your biggest success oh gosh probably my children mm-hmm. my children and my marriage mm-hmm. i think would be the, the the biggest success if it's from a business side mm-hmm. boy i think probably the culinary hall of fame mm-hmm. oh yeah that's be, a cool Tell us a little um, bit about that while we're here. Well, that was that was that was in the day when I was uh, editor in chief of Food and Life magazine because ah, I had the culinary background, right. and uh, we started up Food and Life Television, which really brought to life the pages of the magazine, and I got to really highlight new chefs on the scene. Uh, boy, some of the ones that are now. I mean, incredibly established and well-known and, and nationally famous chefs, mm-hmm. Bo McMillan and people like that. So um, it was it was lovely because it gave me the opportunity to to really to be a blessing in other people's mm-hmm. lives. And that's mm-hmm. that's the whole goal. Yeah. You know, that's that's what drives you to do what you do, so oh, that yeah. you can you can help them, so they can help others, and you can spread the word. And yeah. and that's really that's really, I guess, truly the biggest success we can have is mm-hmm. is being a blessing in other people's oh, lives. There you go, beautifully, beautifully said. Thank you. What drives you? What drives me now is that I know that I was saved from the cancer because I had another friend who had um, a similar cancer at the same time and she did not make it. Mm. So I know God has a reason for me being here and I want to make sure I take every opportunity to find what that reason is and to make sure I do whatever it was he had planned for me the best I can. Wow, perfect. And I'm all about education, and I have to know, is there one book that has been significantly influential in this process in your life? Actually, yes, there is. It's called Finding God's Will by Mm. Greg Matt, Mm M-A-T-T-E. And and it was an education in itself. I realized that uh, 
to give the analogy, I was going around lighting bushes on fire, going, "Okay, God, you keep this fire going. You make this your your burning bush." For and because uh, I I really like this direction, uh-huh. and that's not the way it's supposed to work. We're supposed to watch for His burning bushes and then do what He wants. Yeah, got it. And it it really changed how I view things mm-hmm. and um, how I step into them. Nice. Nice. What one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Grow your own food, cook (laughs) your own food. Mm. That's that's the best best way you can make sure that you are keeping yourself and your family healthy. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, that sounds like a mantra. Grow your own Mm -hmm. food, cook your own food. That's my mantra. Nice. That is it. Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Candy. It's been a treat getting to chat with you. Thank you, Greg. I was honored, and yeah. I hope that anybody out there who's thinking about maybe converting a pool uh-huh. will hear this and go, ah, at least I have more information for my decision yeah. now. Perfect. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, probably the best way is through my website, Candy at com. That's okay. C-L-E-S-H-E-R.com. Okay. Perfect. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.